What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. We are back again today with a very, very, very special guest. This one, I ain't gonna lie, I've been waiting on this one for a minute now. Nobody knows Michigan State basketball better than him, honestly. It's only a few, if any, at all. So this dude, I'm glad to have on. It's about to be an amazing episode. Hopefully, everybody out there is doing well, staying safe. Y'all be good, and let's get right into it. So today, I have my guy, DK. Please introduce yourself and tell the people how you're doing, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. David Klein, you can find me at uh, SpartanHoops underscore DK. I uh, just moved over. I'm going to be writing for Rivals, the Spartan Illustrated site. And uh, yeah, you can always find the content videos, post-game reactions. You know, we hop into some Twitter spaces. So uh, it's really about getting the community together. And uh, I'm really happy to do this. It's been, uh, we've always kind of chatted here and there in some of the spaces, but it's nice to kind of do a full episode with you. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir, man. So let's get right into it. Like I asked all my guests, what is your earliest Michigan State hoop memories? Like, what was the team? Was it a team that put you on? Are you from out there? You went to school there, I assume. Yeah. What put you on a Michigan State basketball the way that it, you know, you, you yeah. fall in love with? So it's kind of funny. So I hooped ever since I was little. Um, I had a good friend that was like a diehard Spartan, but I really wasn't into watching a ton of basketball. I was more NBA, and now it's funny because it's, it's flipped, but I was more into the Pistons. Obviously, they had some really, really good teams when I was kind of growing up in my like early teens and into it. Um, you know, a bunch of conference finals, obviously the championship, all the rest of that. Um, so really, I wouldn't even say till like maybe after college because I was still playing a lot. Um, obviously there's a lot of things to do at school, you know, chasing a little skirt and drinking some beers and all the rest of it, trying to make it to classes the best I can. So, uh, I wouldn't say I was like die, die hard. I wasn't like in the is zone or anything like that. Um, and then I got out, um, and I started coaching for my old high school. So I did that for like oh, five wow. years, had a little different perspective on the game after that, just like some player development stuff. I did it with a buddy who I became really good friends with, and he's a really good X's nose guy. So just giving me a different way to look at it. Um, and so after that, I think it just kind of grew into a passion a little bit more, like the, the analyzation of some of the game from a film perspective, looking at some of the stat stuff. I uh, kind of got hooked down the the you know hole into Ken Palm and Bart Torvik and some of that stuff. And so uh, you know, joined Twitter and then just started kind of putting some of the stuff out there and the community has been kind enough to uh, support it all the way. So um, I wouldn't say it was one single moment, just kind of like a building thing where the further you get away from Michigan State and you're just kind of missing that uh, sense of belonging in the community. And uh, I just found a way to be able to kind of find that on Twitter. So. No, that's super dope for sure. So before we talk about this upcoming squad, in this 23-24 season, I got to go back to not even just last year, because usually when I like to preview this year's squad, I like to go back to the last year to kind of review and wrap up the season officially. But I want to go back the past few years just because, if we're being honest, we haven't necessarily played up to Michigan State standards since both Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman have departed. And, of course, that was around COVID, too, so that kind of set things back just like it did for everybody else, not just Michigan State. I'm not making excuses just for us, but just the entire country, even Kentucky this year, I, I look at them the same way. But Let's go back to Tyson Walker's first year, A.J. Hogarth's sophomore year, and then work our way back up to this year's team real quickly. And just tell me, yeah. how, have you, how have you felt about it? Are we bouncing back this year? How you feeling, man? 
Okay. Um, obviously, it's been a long kind of road after, you know, back-to-back years where you thought that Michigan State potentially had a chance to go on a little run. I think that the 2018-19 season was like kind of surprising. Um, I think they were a really good team. And then Nick Ward ends up getting, you know, injured. He breaks the hand and Xavier Tillman comes in. And you're like, holy shit, like this guy's a maestro in the pick and roll and the short roll. Um, he defensively is absolutely an animal. And, you know, Ward ends up going out, I think, three, four weeks. And Tillman takes his job and never really looks back. And then you have a backup that can put the ball in the hole. So that team was just really fun. They obviously overachieved the next year kind of hit some bumps along the way. Obviously, Cassius Winston's brother's situation certainly had an impact on this team. Um, and I think that they overcame that and um, really were building towards one of the six or eight teams in the whole country. I think they're going to cut down the nets. We don't get to see that, obviously. Um, and then both of them go, and it's a brand-new team. And I think that what we've seen over the last three years, if I could pinpoint the one or kind of two issues, is that the one in the five spot, which to me – um, is maybe the most two important positions. Necessarily, you don't need the five-man to be you know, your second leading scorer, X, Y, and Z, but I do think that that position has to be very stable for the rest of the roster to really succeed around it. And so Michigan State really didn't have a starting point guard or starting center. Um, I think that they have now, coming into this season, really found that starting point guard, and I think Hogarth had an up-and-down season but finished obviously strong in that Kansas State game with 25 points. I think in the tournament as a whole, that kind of his lows, even when he wasn't playing his best, he didn't suck down the whole team. And we saw that in parts last season. Um, everything you've heard from Izzo is just about how he's, you know, taking on a leadership role. And I think that the, the floor and the safety net for him at that position is finally as stable as it's been um, since Cassius Winston, obviously not quite to that level. And then the five position, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into still in a little bit of flux, but I think collectively between the the trio of guys and I'm throwing Xavier Booker in there because obviously Jackson Kohler is currently injured um, I think between the trio of those the the floor and the ceiling is a little bit higher than it's been the last three years so I guess we'll see what that shapes up to be but I, I'm feeling much better about the general health of the roster lots of veteran guards they're five deep there they have some nice freshman talent it's just what does this mix end up looking like at the end of the year because um, we saw some flaws just in that Tennessee game, that exhibition game, and now we have to see can they come together and, and you know, what does it all look like in February, March when it matters the most? So my next two questions are, do you think Joey Hauser is a big loss? And what are you most looking forward to when it, when it comes to this upcoming season's team? Yes, I think that we are going to feel that loss, the spacing, um, some of the rebounding that he provided for the roster. Um, having your second leading scorer and one of your top volume shooters walk out the door, that's tough to replace. And you have to hope that in some regards, Malik Hall can give you a little bit more shooting. He's been a little hesitant on the three-point line in this early going. That's got to be shed. I know he's just coming off. You know, he's probably only five or six removed from the, from his you know surgery and actually playing full-time. So it's still been a little bit of a process. Um, I'm, I'm not willing to give up on that yet, but I think that there's some flaws there. And so you're going to miss some of the shooting from that position, the floor stretching. I think that Xavier Booker can give you some of that, and that's really exciting. Um, and then I think that what Cohen Carr can do is stuff that maybe Joey Hauser couldn't. So it's going to look a little different, um, but all of a sudden, you know, you're having the guards get down in the, hill, in the paint. And you have a guy that's cutting on the baseline that you can just toss it up to and finish. And we have not had that. 
Um, really since the Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson, uh, Aaron Henry was a pretty good athlete, but he never really exerted himself around the rim, maybe as much as you would have liked to see in some spots. Um, Cohen Carr is a hundred percent that, you know, that open court, you know, Euro step into a two-handed cram on Dalton connect. And you're like, this is coming. This is, this is what we signed up for. This is what we're going to get to see almost every game. Um, so to me, if I'm looking at it, Yes, you're going to miss him, but there's some extra juice that you can get. You just got to figure out how it's going to kind of work into the rotation. And uh, the younger guys are going to have to earn more minutes if you want that ceiling to raise. Because I think the floor is stable with Hall. Um, I don't know what the ceiling is with him now. We're in year five. I can't, you know, can't be in a point where midway through the season we're still making excuses. He either shows up, gives it to us, um, or his minutes are going to have to get eaten into in a little bit. So that'll be an interesting dynamic to kind of watch in the early part of the season. Yeah, so that's it's – a, it's a lot that goes into that too, though. So to me, Malik, I don't even – I'm just hoping that he he's, he's healthy enough to get back into a groove and just be a solid, stable vet in year five. I don't want him to think he has to be great or he has to be the guy. I don't think he does. I don't think he's egotistical or anything like that, but – I think Malik would just be solid and steady, and that's all that we need from him. I know he's not – I don't think he's in, like, mid-season form, nowhere near it. Most people aren't, but it's going to take him some games to clearly get back into the flow of things, and that's fine with me. So if he's just solid, I'm good. But Well, let me turn this around on you. Where do you think he um, is at his best, I guess? What do you like about his offensive part of his game that you want to see a little bit more of um, during the course of the season? It kind of goes back to Madi, right? So with Madi Sissoko, again, we all know Madi's not the greatest low post feed option. He's not going to just catch the ball, go up like Nick Ward or like any other elite post player we've had. But because we lack that in him, I think we could utilize that with not only Malik, but also with AJ too. I would love if Izzo would post both of them up because I think both of them would really be at their best. And I don't think we go to that enough. We go to it a few times with Malik throughout the course of a game, but rarely from AJ. But I feel like if we would do that with Malik more, it will boost his confidence up 10 times more. So me personally, that's what I would do. But, but easier said than done. We'll see if it happens. I think it can happen. It's just – We saw it quite a bit know. in the Tennessee like game, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, we he got yeah. a couple of post feeds in that mid-post range where he kind of hit a couple of turnarounds, a couple didn't go in. I agree with you. I think that the the one thing that's maybe lacking on the roster is just going to get an easy bucket somewhere. And, and Hall's might not necessarily be classified as easy, but I do trust his decision-making down there. He can kind of get into a body, and then he has a little bit of that fadeaway, that turnaround. I think that's been a pretty go-to shot for him over the last couple of years. Um, I don't know if I want that to be option one. I would rather, obviously, try to get Tyson some shots, Aiken some shots. Um, Hogard needs to continue to be aggressive, but – if he's the fourth option on that first group and when they're needing a bucket and they just can't find an easy one, maybe you dump it down and try to get a, get a touch down to him. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that's where he maybe is at his best. And he's just got to get the confidence back in the shot because that trail man three, you know, he hit 40% as a junior, you know, mm -hmm. on, on I think two and a half, three attempts a game. If he can do that, uh, that's all we need from him 20, 22 minutes a game. That's kind of how I look at it as well. Yeah, and I want to talk about Jackson, too, because I know he's hurt. They said he's not going to be back what, around Christmas time, I believe they said it was. Maybe said, yeah, in December. So we'll see. I mean, uh, 
you know, it's a, a tough injury, but we'll see how quick that recovery ends up being. You know, he's going to have surgery on the foot and hmm. those things are fickle as we have come to know over the years. Yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not an off season without somebody injuring their foot. So I thought he remade his body and he looked pretty good, but uh, keep going on with what you're saying. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Cause I was just, I was just going to add on to that. He could potentially be our best post player too. I think he probably will be more than likely. Right. So his footwork, he showed, as you know, he showed a lot of bright spots last year as a freshman. When he starts to get more in the groove of things, I don't think the Big Ten bigs are as good as they were last year compared to this year. So Jackson, to me, should be up there eventually once he gets healthy. And obviously, again, as you said, those things are fickle, so we'll see how that goes. But I want to ask you what guys you're most excited to watch on this team because, of course, Cohen's the easy answer. Tyson's the easy answer. But just as a whole, we all know we're one of the most talented teams in the country. It's the reason that we're ranked number four in the country going into it. I don't put too much stock in the preseason rankings because it, it is what it is, but people are hyping us up for a reason. So just what guys are you excited to watch? Of course, you know, AJ's a senior. Tyson's a fifth-year senior. Jaden's about to be a junior. Who are you excited to watch this year? Yeah, I mean, Tyson and Cohen are probably the two easiest, right? Tyson started cooking late in that second half of that Tennessee exhibition game. He scores a quick seven himself. Um, he just needs to, to be more aggressive the whole time, like – to me, the team's probably at its best when he's taking close to 20 shots a game. And that's not a knock on anybody else on the roster. It's just if you're going to trust a guy to score at all three levels, he's the guy that I'd like to take the most shots every game. Um, if I'm going to go outside the obvious, I, I obviously am long been an Aikens fan. I know you have as well. He's kind of stuck and relegated into that spot-up, shoot-up role. Um, it's good. He plays a really nice thing. And, and he made a sacrifice, I think, coming back to the roster. I know some people didn't think there was any possibility left. I think that people who really watch and understand hoops to a certain degree said to themselves, like, it's a possibility. He could. He could go somewhere and have a bigger role, play the two guard, and maybe, um, you know, long term for his NBA hopes, maybe that's the best thing for him. But he came back to win. He's just kind of a program type kid. I really want to see the staff do a better job of giving him isolations. And I also think that he needs to be more aggressive in some spots. Um, I don't know if he's, you know, a dynamic pick and roll guy just because the, the sample size is so small. But I do think he's perfect when he's almost isolated on that baseline jumper where he gets like a kick out for a three and a guy's got to close out. To me, that's perfect because he can either pull up on that jump shot if he doesn't close out hard enough. He's good with that two dribble pull up. Um, and I want to see him be more aggressive at the rim. He has athleticism, especially when in the open court when we get to see it. But I think he's a good enough athlete, especially with the added extra weight that he's put on his frame, to pump fake, take two dribbles, and try to cram on somebody. Do a Cohen Carr impression, you know, like get up. I don't care if you make it or not. I want to see him be more aggressive attacking the rim because I think that that roster needs it. Tyson's still a little small. He's crafty. Hogart's obviously got the, the big body, but I think that it's really important that they get some wing slashing. And to me, he's the guy that can kind of carry that. And if I'm going to go with the other one, um, I've been beating the Carson Cooper drum, you know, since the end of last season, kind of like that after that Illinois game, really, when he opened yeah. up my eye, Holloman hit him with that mid pass and he took that dribble and kind of just smoothly went up into a two handed dunk. And I go, OK, that's uh, that's not on the roster anywhere else at that spot. Um, we talked about it a little bit off right before we started and he moves laterally so well, he plays super solid. He needs to continue to rebound at a high level. And maybe he doesn't always do a great job of that. Sometimes the ball kind of hits off his hands, even when he's in the right spot. Um, but if he can defensively be as good as he's been offensively on the glass, 
Um, to me, I think that the starting center upside on the roster probably resides in him. And sooner than later for this team to take that step, I think he really needs to probably play closer to 20 minutes. And that's going to be a task for the staff to be able to kind of work their way into understanding that Maddie can give you a energy and a role and some physicality in certain matchups. Um, but ultimately, I think Cooper is going to be that guy that you need to play in crunch time. So. Yeah, I want to talk about Maddie and AJ real quickly before we go off into the rest of the Big Ten country real quick. When it comes to those two, Madi isn't terrible like a lot of people want to make him seem. He's a solid Big Ten big man, and there's nothing wrong with that. To be at our best, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to front. I do think we probably want Carson Cooper to start at that starting center spot if we want to be our best, which I'm positive everybody in that locker room wants to be at their best. So it's not a knock on him. It's just Carson Cooper has some more intangibles. Same thing as Jackson Cooper. They have better hands, better footwork. But Madi is good at setting screens, freeing up guys, making opportunities, getting rebounds, and making some big plays defensively here and there. But it's not a knock on his game. It's just it is what it is. But more importantly, I want to talk about AJ. He has this thing on him where everybody says that he's very inconsistent. And I agree with that to a certain extent. But to me, he kind of has like this Peyton Thorne syndrome that Peyton Thorne had when Kenneth Walker was playing with the football team where they'll be super slow to start off in the first half. And in the second half, they'll just turn up and it looked like they were just playing a great game the entire game. And with AJ, I feel like he's always done that. And when you go back, you look at AJ's tenure. Let's talk about it. Versus Kansas, when we played them in the Champions Classic a few years ago, I thought personally he was our best player in that game. When we lost to Purdue in the Big Ten tournament that same year, I thought he was the best player in that game. The next year, or that same year, actually, when we played Duke in the NCAA tournament, I thought he was our best player on the floor that game. You can make a case in that one, but to me, I thought he was our best player. And yeah, I said, remember Bingham. Bingham played a game out of his mind, but yeah, that was, that was close. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, AJ, my point is saying that even last year with Kansas State, AJ always shows up in the big games. And I feel like he does not get enough credit for that. When we're playing against big time competition, AJ has consistently been one of our best players. And so just talk to me about AJ's game as a whole and what you expect to see from him this season. Yeah, I mean, probably in line to be the second leading scorer. I think it's going to kind of go back and forth between him and Aikens. Um, I think it's okay if Aikens ended up ultimately being the second leading scorer. I think that that's probably good for the health of the roster. To me, I think AJ doesn't need to always worry about scoring so much as just taking care of the ball, especially in transition where I think he gets a little bit loose sometimes. Um, And if he's ensuring that everybody else in the roster is eating, the rest of his job becomes so easy because when he starts dishing it, um, he can get downhill. Uh, we saw last year how good he was at the free throw line. I think that that was maybe the biggest like swing for his game for me because if he can get there, punish some of the smaller guys, I agree with you 100%. I'd love to see them do some stuff like Wisconsin does where they invert it and they post up their guards. AJ is a load down there in certain matchups. I think he really could take advantage, so I'm with you. They do it occasionally, but not enough. Um, when he can exploit a matchup, I'd like to see them consistently go to it until they try to figure out a way to stop it. Um, that's a that's a way to maybe get some easy points that the roster 100% maybe doesn't have, particularly in the paint. Um, but I think that you're right. I think, you know, I think it's been fair criticism in some spots. His body language has been bad and whatever. But I, I think that he's it seems to me he's adopted into kind of that role. And are we going to see some moments where he maybe pouts and, and doesn't like what the refs are calling and all the rest of it? Yeah, that's just kind of how he is. And I I, I can get over that. 
as long as he is the on the floor leader and ultimately they're going to need him when when he plays well the rest of the roster plays well and um, we have a little bit more safety now with Jeremy Fears in the back because I think that he is also a very solid option. Um, it's going to give some leeway with the staff to be able to rest AJ in some spots and not have to play him 32, 33 minutes a night. So I think that that's really nice. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the ceiling is still reachable for him. And it just comes with, like you said, just being consistent the whole way through because he has had some ebbs and flows of the game. If he can just give you... 12, 5, and 4 every night. I don't think that's an unreasonable request, and I think he's more than capable of doing it. Agreed. So now I want to step back a little bit and go to just the rest of the Big Ten as a whole because, of course, it's us and Purdue at the top, like everybody's talking about. I definitely want your thoughts on them because just like us, they return everybody. You got Illinois, I think, is right there. You got Wisconsin, we talked about, I think, is right there. So just talk to me about the rest of the conference, how you feeling about them, and do you think it's any potential sleepers that we're not talking about enough? Yeah, uh, we'll touch on Purdue. Obviously, they're the Big Ten favorites coming into the year. They won by, I think, three games last year, and they had a pretty easy sweep in the Big Ten tournament. Um, they're interesting. It's an interesting thing because they're going to live and die in what they do in the tournament. I don't think really the regular season is going to matter for them. They're, gonna, they're probably going to be a one or two seed this year. I think they have a ton of talent. Um, the, the freshmen from last year are going to take a step as sophomores lawyer. I'm, I'm really high on Braden Smith. Um, I think that he's probably the second best pastor in the league behind AJ Hogard, who's one of the best passers in the country. Uh, he's creative. He's showing some ability to be able to hit shots off the bounce. Um, you know, both those exhibition games, you know, in the Kansas one, especially they went under the first screen and he bangs home a three. Like that's what you want to see him coming and playing with confidence I'm a little bit skeptical on the 3-4 spot for them. TKR next to Edie doesn't quite fit. I think Gillis is better because he can stretch the floor a little bit. So that's going to be interesting to see. Maybe TKR is a little bit better as kind of like a backup option in the low post for them. Um, and then I, I I think playing Lance Jones, who's 6-1, I know he does a lot of good things. You know, he, he's a 28% career three-point shooter on some volume. He's going to get better looks this year. He needs to shoot probably 35%, but that's kind of a small, not overly athletic backcourt. And I think what you saw against Arkansas in particular is when they play bigger, longer athletes, if they run into that in the tournament, and maybe there's not as many teams like that in the conference this year, um, I think it's going to cause them some trouble. And so can they, you know, can they make a deep run in the tournament as a team that's, you know, wildly viewed as a top two or three team in the whole country? So that's that's some baggage that they're going to carry. Um, the rest of the the you know the grouping between three to like six seven I think is pretty um, you know pretty lumped in. Uh, I'm high in OSU. I think you know a lot of talent. Maybe they're still a year away, but I think the J- Jamison Battle ad was kind of sneaky good for the roster. He's good with those tweener forwards. Uh, I think that that guy's going to put up a lot of points, and maybe we see him return more to like junior season Minnesota form than he was last year. Uh, I like Wisconsin that we talked about, the addition of A.J. Store. Got to play through some wings with the Siege in Store and Klesmet. Um, move away maybe from as much, you know, Hepburn and Wall Ball. Um, even though those guys are going to be, you know, important members to it, I think that their floor is extremely stable. And then um, if we're talking about a couple teams that maybe have surprised early, I think you got to probably circle Illinois and Kansas. Illinois still has a point guard problem, but do they have enough ball handling to maybe cover it up? 
Terrence Shannon Jr. looks like, you know, the second best player in the conference behind Zach Eady. He's going to be potentially an All-American type level candidate. And if he plays the way he did against Kansas, like, you know, you, you got 28 points out of him. If you got a guy that, you know, consistently can put up 20, 25 every night, that's a really, really nice commodity to have that a lot of teams in, in college basketball don't. So I think that they can be kind of sneaky. What does it look like from Damascus and Hawkins? Can they, you know, raise enough of the ceiling in the floor for them to be able to be really good this year? I guess we'll see. And then uh, Michigan surprises and goes into Marquette and kind of dominates, dominates with some of the physicality. Uh, Nkwamwa is a really good ad from Tennessee. I think he's, you know, going to be there either second or first leading scorer this season. Uh, Terrace Reed looks like he's taken a step and done a nice job on his body. It'll be interesting because there's not as much talent as there's been, but I think it fits a little bit better. Uh, their question, again, is kind of on the wing at the backup guard spot is George Washington, uh, the freshman, going to be able to give them some of that. So I think there's going to be some interesting storylines again, and I think um, this is a league that's going to get eight teams in, I think, the conference again. It's just can they break through that stigma and a couple teams kind of break into the second weekend and maybe go on a run? I think that's the real question for the conference this year. For sure. They got to. Somebody has to. And that's kind of my thing, too, when it comes to, like, people wanting Izzo to retire, like, early. To me, it's like, who's going to really hold the mantle and carry the torch on for the Big Ten, if we're being honest, right, in the NCAA tournament? Nobody's proven that so far. Brad Underwood hasn't proven that so far. Matt Painter, I'd probably bet my money on him more than anybody else, but we've seen how his tournament failures have been the past few years. They lost to North Texas, St. Peter's, and, of course, last year, Fairleigh Dickinson, like, so – we need somebody to really think bigger picture when it comes to Big Ten fans and just start thinking like on an NCAA tournament Final Four type mindset because when the Big Ten is cool, but we got to aim higher than that. That's been my biggest thing. I've been trying to beat that drum for a few years now because somebody has to do it. So, and I think, of course, Izzo's more than likely to do it. So, with that, yeah, though, I'm with you on that. It's it's been tough. It's been tough to be a Big Ten fan because I think year in year out they have one of the toughest and deepest leagues, but they haven't been able to show it in the tournament. And some of that is they're beating up on each other. Some of it is you know they just didn't perform well enough in some of the non-conference stuff to be seated you know better. And I don't know. I don't know. Something's got to change. But I think Purdue and Michigan State give them two pretty good shots at it. Maybe Illinois sneaky. You know, yep. Wisconsin, we didn't even touch on Maryland, who has mm -hmm. some talent. You know, Deshaun Harris-Smith and Jamie Kaiser coming in to support a pretty decent cast around them with uh, Reese and Scott and Jameer Young, who's going to be probably a all-Big Ten-type uh, candidate as well, first team. So uh, there's there's a few teams in there, I think, that could surprise a little bit and be sneaky, and uh, you just have to hope we perform well in the non-conference as a whole to kind of uh, raise raise the entire conference and then, you know, finish through in March. That's what matters the most for sure. Yeah, so now I want to go on a grand scale and ask you what teams are you just excited to watch this season? You know, I think we're about, what, four days away as we record this. So as a whole, there's some pretty good teams out there. I think there's some sleeper teams out there that I want to get your opinions on too. So just what teams are you excited to watch this year? And do you think it's any team that could surprise us? Of course, it happens every year. So who would you bet your money on if you had to? Yeah, I was pretty impressed with Arkansas when I watched them against Purdue. They, um, you know, they're raked outside the top 10. I think they're 13th or something like that. But uh, they kind of looked to me, that was a team that after that game, I kind of circled and was like, okay, they've got athletes, they've got length. Uh, Tremont Mark from Houston really, really looked good. He scored. He's that lefty. He's kind of long. He got to his spots, got to the free throw line. 
Um, I think that they have a lot of weapons and he just kind of cobbles together a roster from the portal every year and somehow makes it work. Um, we've seen a lot of disaster scenarios, but he's been really good about that. Um, back-to-back elite eights a couple years ago and he hasn't quite broken through yet, but they're a team. And uh, honestly, Tennessee, after I watched him, obviously missing two of their starters and Ziegler, who's kind of been banged up for a while. I'm not like a crazy Ziegler guy, but I think Viscovi is pretty, pretty solid. Um, and then you add Dalton Connect and Ganey, and you're like, okay, what the roster's been missing the last couple of years for Tennessee, who plays really good defense, is some guys that can put the ball in the hole. Connect looks like, to me, like maybe an All-American type. I mean, oh. bouncy, can shoot it, can score at all levels. Like, he's a guy I think that people should tune into because I think he's just a bunch of fun. And then maybe the other team where I just kind of caught some highlights and maybe are flying a little under the radar because they, they sunk so low last year is UNC. Uh, Baycott, solid, solid, big, as solid as you can really get across the country. Uh, R.J. Davis looks like he's poised to be a very comfortable primary scoring option. I think the Ingram ad from Stanford was kind of sneaky good. Uh, Hit some threes in their first game. He's just physically solid. If he can stretch the floor for them, give him like a third option. And then Elliot Cadeau, who's the uh, freshman redshirt point guard that came in, and moved RJ off the ball a little bit. He doesn't play like a freshman. He's not built like a freshman. Reclassing is really, really hard to do, especially in the guard spot. But he looks to me like he's kind of physically ready to be able to take that step. So that's a team that's ranked, you know, kind of on the back end of the top 25. There's a bunch of question marks around Hubert Davis, but I really kind of like how that squad's built. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, they're fighting for an ACC regular season title with Duke and a couple of the other teams in in the conference this year. Yeah, nah, man. So anybody that's listening to us knows that I've been a big, big Eric Musselman fan. I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. That team he has this year. To me, I think it's kind of like us where he just has experienced players on his team between guys like Devo Davis and a couple other guys, he's finally had that. Even though he has all that roster turnover, you bring back Trevon Brazil. I know he only played a few games, but as you mentioned, all that length, athleticism, they're going to be a problem. I think, as you also mentioned, Tennessee, I said on this very show again just a few months ago, I think they can win the SEC. And I've never been a big Rick Barnes fan, of course, especially in the NCAA tournament where he's been mediocre. But we've seen Dalton Connect is disgusting. Jordan Ganey is a player. Even with... Vescovi, again, I'm not a big fan of him or Ziegler, really, but they're both very solid players for the most part. So the SEC is going to be a war zone this year. I can't wait to watch that. But to me, I've also been beating the drum on Villanova and Iowa State. Like, I'm going to continue to say those two. Okay. I, I firmly believe in Villanova bouncing back this year. They just – Justin Moore's back. Eric Dixon's back. They have other guys that are going to contribute. They're going to have – they should – a lot of people say that they need Mark Armstrong to be elite. I don't really agree with that. I think he just has to be solid. Just be solid. You have enough players around you with TJ Bamba and Akeem Hart, as we've seen in, at Maryland. But Really nice just, ads. Just really nice wing ads there. Akeem Hart is an underrated loss, I think, for Maryland this year. Yep. Great connector, can shoot a little bit, and like a guy that doesn't necessarily need the ball all the time. I, I'm with you on Nova. That's I think the question is uh, you know, the Kyle Neptune because he had a bunch of talent last year. Then that weird kind of stuff went on with um, – who was the player that went to the NBA and got drafted by Houston? But it's Whitmore. Whitmore. Thank you, Cam yep. Whitmore. Yep. Uh, I wanted the Stones to take him. I thought they had the option to do it or whatever. Um, and then you kind of hear that he was bad mouthing him to some of the NBA teams, like a little bit weird. So I think their biggest question is just what, you know, year two for Neptune. 
Um, you have all the talent. You got to be able to show it this year. I think, uh, you know, fans are going to get a little grumbling, a little restless with that because there's no reason that that team shouldn't be good. Yeah. And Tyler Burton's another win from Richmond. Like they just have Hoopers on the entire squad. And then Iowa State, I've been saying them just because to me, we know with TJ Alsenberg, he's kind of like Rick Barnes in the sense that we know they're going to play defense. Their teams are always going to lock up, clamp, and send the stance. But last year's team didn't have that much firepower. This year's team, Adding Keyshawn Gilbert from UNLV, he's going to be a player. Curtis Jones, we played against him last year at Buffalo. I think he should help them out a lot. Jackson Pavileski, I believe is how you say his name. He comes on from Wofford, another good score. To me, they just have it. Taman Lipsy as a sophomore. He was very solid and sturdy as a freshman. So in the Big 12, the Big 12 to me is crazy this year because I, I honestly don't know what to expect. We just mentioned Kansas. We talked about Kansas, but I honestly think Houston can win it. I think TCU is a sleeper team. Kansas State, they lost Naquan Tomlin. That's going to be a big loss. It's saying he's going to be out indefinitely. That's tough for them just because he's one of their best players last year. But how you just real quickly, how you feel about the Big 12 this year? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, de- deepest league probably. You're just circling all these teams and thinking like, well, if things go right, they can make the tournament. Uh, we didn't even touch on Baylor. I think Drew yep. Scott is still one of the top five or ten coaches in college basketball. Uh, he kind of reloaded a little bit. Jacoby Walter is supposed to be day one ready type freshman. You know, they grabbed Ray J. Dennis, who Illinois was maybe going after for a little bit. Uh, you still have Jalen Bridges there. Uh, you know, Jonathan, I'm going to butcher his last name. Chamwa Chachua. Chamwo Chachua. Yes. Yep. So they, they have some pieces. Maybe the front court isn't as daunting as it has been in years, but I, I think he's a really good coach. So. You know, you look up and down, and I don't think you can sell out Kansas State either. Tyler Perry is going to be a lot of fun. They grabbed, yep. is it Kaluma to join Kansas yep. State? Is that right? Yeah. So he kind of reloaded a little bit. Um, the Tomlin news is unfortunate. Uh, hopefully, you know, that gets all figured out for him or whatever. But um, it, I, I really, really like Jerome Tang, and I hope they're successful as well. He's a guy for me if Izzo decided to hang it up in the next five years. I know he's a little bit older. Um, but I just like the way that he handles his program and the way that he's you know, brought in some talent through the transfer portal as well. He's a guy that I kind of would circle and just see how he continues to do. Um, but that like loaded, it's a loaded conference again. And the Big East is kind of the same, too. So, yep. you know, we talked about it a little bit off, off air, but I think that this is wide open this year. To me, there doesn't look like a clear cut dominant team. I think Purdue will look like that in some spots this season. Um, but we saw, you know, game one, exhibition game one, there's some flaws on everybody's roster. And it's what does it look like shaping that up at parts of the season and, and who starts playing their best ball when it matters the most. So I got two more questions for you real quick, but I'm going to throw you on the spot just like I did Pablo in my last episode. I need your final four prediction. Oh, man, <laughs> that is throwing me on the spot. I'll give um, you mine too, but. Yeah, for sure. Man, it's so hard to say. I would like to answer this question like two weeks in the season. So at least I can digest it because I'm taking a look at everybody's roster, but I don't 100 percent know. Um, Man. I'm going to throw us in there. I got to. I think that this this is going to be – I think it could be a special season. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it doesn't end up coming together, but I just – I like a lot of what's going on. So I'll say MSU, Duke, 
I think Tennessee is going to be in that mix. I really do. I think I, I liked a lot of what I saw from them. And I think, you know, they gave up a lot of points to Michigan State, but I think on a nightly basis they're going to defend on top of it. Um, and, man, where would I go for my fourth spot? Oh, man. I'll – um. I'll throw out Creighton. I think it's, you know, maybe a little bit of a longer shot, but I think the Big East gets somebody in the mix for that, and I maybe like Creighton the most. I think that uh, they brought back some guys. Obviously, losing Nemhard really hurts, uh, oh. but I, I think that the replacement's solid, and I like Trey Alexander and Kelk Brenner combination. I think Kelk Brenner's maybe the best defensive big in the country. So if they stay healthy, um, they've added a little bit more depth. Uh, Shireman's back again. I, I like a lot of their pieces, and I think they're at least for me like one of the more aesthetically pleasing teams to watch the way that the ball moves and, and the way that they take shots. So um, it'd be it'd be a Final Four that I would root for. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no, that's that, those are great answers. I have two of those. I have us, of course, and I do have Creighton for all the same reasons that you mentioned. No way. Okay. Dude, all right. I, I believe it. in Creighton. I do. I truly believe. I just think. They had a lot of talent the past few years with Nemhard, with Kaluma, but at the same time, they didn't really fit the type of play style that Greg McDermott likes to run. He likes to run a whole bunch of shooters off a whole bunch of different types of screens and things like that. Kaluma's more of an isolation, you know, get the ball in his hands and go make a play type player. You know, you're not really running plays for him for an athlete like that, in my opinion. And with Nemhard, of course, he was one of the better point guards in the country regardless, but he should be fine at Gonzaga, even though I've seen he play like 40 minutes in the scrimmage versus Baylor. That's going to, I hope, that's not the case for the season. He might be their only true point guard, but we'll see. They had point guard problems last year, but you said us, you said Tennessee, you said yeah. Craig, and then the fourth one was. Oh, my God. No, I don't know good. I already figured it. Um, Tennessee, MSU, Creighton. That's a Duke. And Duke. Yeah, I think Duke's, I think Duke's really talented this year. We'll see what it all looks like, but you got Roach, who's been there. Yep. You know, Proctor looks like he's going to make a leap. Filipowski, now, they don't have a rim protection per se. I think that's the one thing you'd circle. But in terms of pure talent, you know, almost every year and, and this year included, I think uh, I think they have enough talent to be able to make the run. Does it come together? I guess we'll see. I'm very intrigued by Duke this year. Kyle Filipowski had both of them surgeries. We'll see. I don't think it's going to wear him down. He should be fine, but. You got that. You're going to have to – one of them freshman guards is going to have to be good, whether it's Caleb Foster or Jeremy McCain. One of those guys has to be good for them out the gate because even with Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor playing on the guard spots like that, they're good and they're really, really talented. But one of those freshmen has to come on because you just need that third guard in order to have success as the season progresses. But with my Final Four again, I got us, I got Creighton, and I got Miami too. Miami. Uh -huh. I'm a believer in, in the Canes and Jim Laranega just because we've seen the past few years, right? Elite Eight two years ago, they lost to the eventual national champions in the Kansas Jayhawks. Last year, they were in the Final Four for the first time in school history, lost to the UConn Huskies, who were just the best teams in the – or the, excuse me, the best team in the country, period, as is what we've seen in the tournament. So I know losing Isaiah Wong is a huge loss. Losing Jordan Miller is a huge loss. But Nigel Pack – in his second year, he should be way more comfortable in the system. Nor Chad O'Meara, we've seen, is a beast, and he is a nightmare matchup. Wooga Poplar, I believe, is destined to pop off. He's kind of, you know, waited in the back, you know, because Isaiah Wong was so elite, but 
is now his time to shine with Isaiah Wong gone. And you look at the rest of the team, Bensley Joseph experience. He's been there for a few years, stable point guard, other guys. Kaishan George is a freshman. I heard great things about him, six, seven wing. Haven't watched him play that much myself, but I've heard nothing but good things about him. So I'm curious to see how that all fits in. But Miami to me is just, I honestly think they're going to win the ACC this year. In my opinion, I think they're better than Duke Carolina. I'm, I'm, I'm 50 50. We'll see about Carolina, but I have them. And my last team is Villanova. I'm not going to lie. I, I truly believe that is one of them seasons where they just completely turn it around. But my last question for you before we get out of here, man, I got to ask you for your personal top five MSU players that you've watched during your lifetime. Ooh, top five. There has to be like positionally. You want me to give you it like, like putting a squad together or just my top five players? top five players in general okay um like since i really really been watching that's what i'll give you it would be yep it'd be draymond drew valentine cassius winston xavier tillman's got to be on that for me i think he's one of the more undervalued mm-hmm. guys that have come through the program the, t- the yep. two-way ability some of his passing ability i loved love love tillman um, man, would probably be Miles Redacted if he wasn't just acting like a clown. So I'm okay. I gotta leave him off the list for that purpose. Um, man, uh, okay, I'll throw one at you, and I could have gone a couple different ways, Gary Harris or Jaron Jackson, or whatever. But I think mm-hmm. that. Uh, Aaron Henry's ability to drag a team that had no business being in the tournament to the tournament and what he embodied is like just a dog Spartan. I think that that season, I I have his Jersey framed in my basement. Like I will never forget that season. We were on death's doorstep. He was about to break the streak and he put a team on his back, won a couple games against top five teams, basically himself. And that roster was as in dog shit shape as it's been no point guard, no center, and he just somehow willed them to the tournament. And then they almost, you know, they should have probably beat UCLA. So it's like, uh, I, I, I think that he too is one of the more underrated guys and just like a perfect glue guy. Didn't necessarily need the ball all the time, defend, could finish at the rim, could hit some shots, had that nice kind of little floater game, pull up game. So I really, really like that. And actually that squad would be able to get on the floor and play pretty well together too. So that, that ended up working out well for me. <laughs> No, that's a great five. I love that five. Elite five. All five of them guys, to me, I mean, at you you pretty much said it all. But Cassius, we all know he was special. He was just elite. He was different. One of one point guard. He carried us in multiple occasions, covered up a lot of weaknesses and holes that we had throughout the you know his tenure there. But that was my guy. Five was my guy. So shout out to him, of course. And you mentioned the others. I don't even got to go in too deep with them. But Xavier, too, real quick. As you mentioned, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he did, to be honest. He was literally just like Draymond, if we're being honest, right? He was the backbone of a lot of defenses. He was a hell of a a passer out of pick-and-roll situations, could hit threes. It was nothing he really couldn't do. You you, Back to the basket post player, X did a lot, and I feel like he still hasn't gotten his, you know, much-deserved recognition for what he did. I'm glad that he's doing his thing in the NBA because, to me, that's the – Xavier Timmon is the epitome and ultimate example of what a Spartan dog is, in my opinion, truthfully. Like, what he did – and he waited his turn to remember his freshman. He was playing behind what Ben Carter, Gavin Schilling, Nick Ward, Jaron Jackson, 
whole bunch of guys. Uh, Kenny Goins, I think, might have been on that team too. So it was, you know, shout out to X Men too. But DK has been a pleasure, man. I appreciate you. This has been again a long time in the way, and I'm glad this finally happened. We had to do this, no doubt about it. In my mind again, please just plug all your stuff, man, and let people know where they can find you at. Yeah, David Klein again at Spartan Hoops underscore DK on Twitter. Um, and I just started writing now for Rivals. I'll probably have the first drop maybe like Monday or something. So appreciate the invitation. Glad we got to talk some hoops. It's uh, it's right around the corner. I can't believe it's here. It felt both long and quick. So that's the way it goes. <laughs> yes, sir, man. As always, I appreciate y'all for making it this far. Please, as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share, all those great things. Y'all stay safe out there. Y'all. Keep it easy. Don't stress. Enjoy life. As always, been another episode of the Kevo Bands Who's Podcast. Peace and love. Gone.